Shalom, welcome to the Torah to Basora class for Parsha Metzora with the upcoming Shabbat Haggadol. Uh, we are beginning tonight in the fifth Aliyah in Vayikra chapter 14, starting in verse 54, going all the way through chapter 15, right before verse 16. Uh, 16 will be the beginning of the sixth Aliyah, so we will read all the way to verse 15 and stop just before we get to verse 16. So I'm going to say the opening bracha and oh, and our Basora portion tonight is Mark chapter 1 verses 35 through 45. Baruch Eloheinu melech haolam asher bakarbanu mikol hamim venatan lanu etorato Baruch atah Adonai, notein ha-Torah, Amen. This is a law for every Tazaris, affliction in the in the Nezek, the Tazaris of the garment and and of the house and and of the Zizis, of the Sapakas, and of the Baharis, and to rule on which day it is contaminated and on which day it is purified. This is the law of Tazaris. Hashem spoke to Moshe and Aaron, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, Any man who will have a discharge from his flesh, his discharge is contaminated. This shall be his contamination. When he discharges, whether his flesh runs, was it discharged or becomes stopped because of his discharge, and his, that, it, and that is his con- contamination. Any betting upon which the person with the discharge will, will recline shall be contaminated, and any vessel upon which he will sit shall become contaminated. The person who will touch the bedding shall immerse his garments and immerse himself in water. And it remains contaminated until the evening. And one who sits upon a vessel upon which the man with a discharge will sit shall immerse his garments and immerse himself in the water, and he remains contaminated until the evening. No one touches the flesh of the man with a discharge, shall immerse himself garments and immerse himself in the water, and he, and he remains contaminated until the evening. If the person with the discharge will spit upon a pure person, he shall immerse his garments and immerse himself in the water, and it remains contaminated until the evening. Any riding equipment upon which the person with the discharge will ride shall become contaminated, and whoever touches anything that will be beneath him shall be contaminated until the evening, and whoever carries them shall immerse himself in garments, immerse himself in the water, and remains contaminated until the evening. Whenever the man with the discharge touches without hanging, having rinsed his hands in the water, shall immerse his garments, immerse himself in the water, and he remains contaminated until the evening. Pottery that the man with the discharge will touch shall be broken, and any wooden utensils shall be rinsed in water. When the man with the discharge ceases his discharge, he shall count for himself seven days from the uh, cessation, immerse his garments, and immerse his flesh in spring water, and become purified. On the eighth day he shall take for himself two turtle doves, or 
are two young doves. He shall come before Shem to the entrance of the tent of the meeting and give them to the Kohen. The Kohen shall make them one as sin offering and one as a burnt offering. Thus the Kohen shall provide him atonement before Shem from his discharge. Amen. All right. Shalom. Welcome. We're jumping over now to the Basor portion in Mark chapter 1, 35 through 45. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Yeshua got up, left the house and went out to a secluded place and was praying there. All right. So Shakarit. Uh, Shimeon, Kepha, and his companions searched everywhere looking anxiously for him. And they found him and said, everybody is looking for you. He replied, let us go on to the neighboring towns so I may drosh there also. That is why I came from the father. So he went throughout the Galil, droshing the Basora in the shul in the shuls and casting out demons and a leper came to him begging him and falling on his knees before him saying if you are willing you are able to make me tahor moved with compassion for his suffering yeshua reached out his hand reached out with his hand and touched him and said to him i am willing be cleansed the Zaharat left him immediately, and he was cleansed, completely healed, and restored to health. And Yeshua, deeply moved, admonished him sternly and sent him away immediately, saying to him, See that you tell no one anything about this, but go, show yourself to the Kohen, and offer for your purification what Moshe commanded as proof to them that you really are healed. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news of his healing to such an extent that Yeshua could no longer openly enter a city where he was known. But he stayed out in the unpopulated places, yet people were still coming to him from everywhere. Amen. Shalom, welcome. All right, so floor is open. Uh, I do have an agenda tonight that I would love to share because it's Shabbat Hagadol this week. This is the day of antiquity where we selected the lamb that got us out of Pesach or that got us out of Mitzrayim during Pesach. So bring down some things on that. But in the meantime, Pasha Medzora. It's bringing down some legitness. <clears throat> Feel free to share some comments. I'll go ahead and tag in first with Orha Kaim. Because I literally made a note that uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 41 uh, are basically elucidated here in the Orhakaim. 
So if you look in uh, chapter 14, verse 2, he's making a comment on it. Uh, verse 2, this shall be the Torah of the Medzora on the day of his purification. He shall be brought to the Kohen. So you, are, you automatically see that the day of purification and being brought to the Kohen, Shalom, are... Uh, Intricately connected as far as this verse goes So Or HaKaim is talking here and he says We need to know why the Torah alluded to this matter I.e. the reason for the Mazorah's affliction Here at the time of the Mazorah's purification When the Za'arat had already disappeared So we're talking about his purification at this point he no longer is a person who is considered to have Za'arat, but he's still called a Medzora. So now, with that being the case, Or Hakaim is saying, let's go back to what was the reason for the affliction. Now that he's purified, why was he afflicted with this in the first place? So he says, um, it would have been more logical to address the reason when discussing it at the first appearance which that happened in last week's Torah portion, Tazria. It says, it seems correct to answer that since the Torah is about to mention the bringing of birds for the Mazor's purification in verse four, it therefore first alludes to the reason for the sin and thus gives the reason for this part of the procedure. Namely, that since his sin for which he was afflicted was Lashon Hara, therefore it is correct that his law should be this, to bring birds which constantly chirp, just as he too constantly chirped with Lashon Hara. So going down a little bit, it says, Za'arat departed because he focused on Teshuva and he focused on Confessing his sin. And they literally say um, the word Todah Be'ivrit. Shalom. So Todah and Teshuva is one of the things that is counted as uh, confessing. So to give thanks is a form of confessing your sin when it's coupled with Teshuva. Literally, the phrase here it says, Teshuva vehit vada chatato. So he made teshuva and gave uh, thanks for his sin, basically. It says, and admitted that it was because he exercised his tongue to speak slander that the affliction appeared. And because he repents his sin from he, he repents his sin and purifies affliction or purified his tongue from then on when he sees that only then has the affliction changed its appearance and he has been healed he will thereby know and, and be absolutely convinced that the affliction originally came upon him because he spoke to Sean Hara so that's a long comment to say that when you go back to this passage in Mark chapter 1 I love how it says that the 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 person afflicted with Zarah came before Mashiach, begging him and falling on his knees before him. 
So when you really look at the idea that he is willing to prostrate himself before Mashiach, we talk about in the mikveh that you have to, you have to uh, specifically you have to bend your knees to lower yourself. In order for the waters of the mikveh to completely engulf you, you have to bend your knees. You have to bow. You have to lower yourself. And so you really look at what's going on here. This person is doing, in a sense, a mikveh because, you know, Mashiach represents the physical manifestation of that. And then you have the fact that he is uh, he, he's admitting that he was wrong, you know. And the fact that Lashon Hara is directly in opposition to gratitude and teshuva, it's this beautiful picture to show us, like, how are we actually using our speech? How are we using our mouth? So gratitude would be a tikkun for Lashon Hara. And not to mention the bringing of the two birds. Uh, obviously, the bird itself is an allusion to the two Mashiachs. So you literally have the two Mashiachs in Yeshua standing there. So he literally is bringing his offering right there. You have all the elements going on of what purifies someone with Zarat. So that was Or Hakaim. So, tag, the, what we see with the purification ritual uh, going on, we have the, the two birds, we have the blood, we have the hyssop, and we have the cedar branch. Okay, so obviously we've seen these items before, uh, literally, when we were in Egypt. So, I'm going to take us all the way back to Parashah Bo and bring in some Midrash says page 93 it says on that first of Nisan Adonai gave Moshe and Aharon additional mitzvot tell B'nai Yisrael today if you hear his voice no I'm just kidding oh. it just says today Hashem commanded that on the 10th of Nisan the head of each family shall take a lamb so again this upcoming Shabbat is Shabbat Hagadol right 
So in antiquity, that was the 10th of Nisan, which if you look at the 10th of Nisan paralleled in the fall festival calendar, that is literally the day of Yom Kippur. Because line up Nisan and Tishrei side by side, the 10th day of the month, Shabbat Hagadol, as far as our time period in Egypt, and currently Tishrei 10 is Yom Kippur. So you have Shabbat Hagadol being a semblance of Yom Kippur. So it says that on the 10th of Nisan, the head of each family shall take a lamb. It must be a male without blemish and in its first year. He shall tie it to his bedpost for four days to examine it and determine that it was without blemish and fit for a Corbin. It's also important to note this was the same time frame Yeshua came riding in on the donkey and we were waving Lulavim saying Hoshiana Hoshiana Hatzlikana, which is what we do at Sukkot. So now we're turning... Why is this, why is this Shabbat, Shabbat Haggadol? Because the Shabbat... on Nisan 10, is that why? You know, no. Uh, it's, it, the, any Shabbat before Pesach, regardless of the date of that Shabbat. You remember how we had the four special Shabbats? We had Shabbat uh, Para, Shabbat Shekelim, Shabbat Zakor, Shabbat HaKodesh. Now we got Shabbat Haggadol. Shabbat Haggadol means just the, the great Shabbat. Shabbat or the great, the great Shabbat. Shabbat. Yes. Okay, so it's the great Shabbat because it's before Pesach. Yes, and this commemorates when we picked and selected our lamb. Oh. So if we did not do what we were supposed to do on Shabbat Haggadol, there would not have been a Pesach. So it is an important Shabbat. It is a very important Shabbat. Like, you don't have a Pesach if you don't get your act right Shabbat. Right. You don't get your lamb Shabbat. So Shabbat HaGadol yeah. would be interpreted as the great Shabbat? or the Correct. That is. The big Shabbat. The big Shabbat. The big Shabbat. The, the big, big kahuna. Yeah, the big Shabbat. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, um, so, yeah, I mean, it's really... Just a time where, if you think about what's actually going on when Mashiach is riding in on a donkey. First of all, why did he ride in on a donkey? Other than Zechariah 9.9, 9, why do the sages tell us Mashiach comes in on a donkey? Because he's mastered the material world? Yeah, he's mastered the material world. What was, what was ultimately what Mashiach was coming to do? Because it was the month of Nisan, which is called the month of redemption. Uh-huh. So what does Sanhedrin 98 say about Mashiach and the donkey? Well, he'll become, he, he'll ride in, um, he'll either come as a rich man or a poor man. Right. And depending on whether the people are worthy or not worthy. Come on. And if he rides in as a poor man on a donkey, they're not worthy. Mm-hmm. So they're not worthy. Perfect. That's what is being communicated. But the question you have to ask is, when was the Sanhedrin 98A written? Yeah. Was it before or after this happened? I would is say it's definitely before. before. If it yeah, was before, before, yeah, then everybody should have known. <laughs> okay, if it was right. after, they wouldn't. You can't blame them for not putting yeah. two and two together. But if yeah. it was before, mm-hmm. well, they should have known. Yep. So did they put two and two together? Would be the next question. Right. And I think more of a reason why they despise him because he's coming in flashing around. You're not worthy of redemption. Ooh, wow. 
Yeah, yeah, that ain't. I'm taking it that way. I didn't, I didn't know about that, and that, that makes a lot more sense why they were so um, scared. Uh huh. Or just Being put out. It was a threat to their those specific people anyway, to their livelihood. And yeah. So. You know their their corrupt, corrupt schemes. Mm-hmm. Because you got what they were doing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, they would have known that they were in the wrong. You know. They were the liberals of the day. Yeah. Yes, I was talking yeah. to somebody about that at work today. Wow. <laughs> How our government is the socialist like Democrats. Like yeah. Socialist yeah, so that's, Democrats. Yeah, that's a good example. Of yeah. Okay. Socialist. There might be a Democrat in here. Come on now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you're a Democrat, it's but yeah. Democrats weren't inherently. We got Zakins downstairs, don't we? It's a terminology. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Send them to him. Yeah. So, if you line that up with our Torah portion, how does a person become a Metzora? Uh huh. And literally, it's pointed out to them by the Cohen. Hey, you gotta. You need to take some time and uh, mm-hmm. make some consideration and do some soul searching kind of thing. I.e., the Cohen Gadol is gonna tell you you're a sinner. And you need to work it out. That's like I'm riding in on the donkey. I'm not like yeah. the high priest saying, hey, you guys need to do some reflection yeah. here. Yeah. And there's the, another the fact that when the house is condemned, it's like mm-hmm. the gall required to sit there homeless on the verge of being physically afflicted with the Cohen telling you you did something wrong. Yes. To actually get to the point of physical Zerat, it, it kind of puts into perspective how egregious the sin is. So, go ahead. Didn't that donkey have something time in relation to Abraham? Yes. Mm-hmm. It is the foal of that donkey that he took with uh, Yitzhak to Mount Moriah. Isn't the same one that Correct. Moshe rode? Yep. On the way to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Mm. Is it the same donkey that talked to Balaam too? No, it's not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that was his cousin. If it if it is, then you know Hashem Mekaye Hametim. You know he resurrects people. He can resurrect donkeys. I mean, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so when you kind of look at all that, what's going on? I mean, it's the epitome of Shabbat Hagadol. It's the epitome of Yom Kippur. What are we doing all day on Yom Kippur? Suffering, Suffering fasting, getting rid of leprosy. Like, wasn't it? Mitzora was also caused by pride. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just Lashon Ra, but it. You all, you can only do. Mitzora, like if you had Mitzora on your head. There are four types. Back, you're correct. Then, then it would be, it would be. Okay, can we break down the four pride. types? Yeah, let's break them down. That's back in uh, last week's parsha. Okay. Yeah, they normally go together because you all, you all, we have to place our uh, mitzvot with our yearning for the redemption, as the sages put, and as brought out on Aliyah Day. Really? Yeah, Tazria Medzora literally means work to hasten the redemption. Because you're sowing a Medzora, you're sowing a leper, and Messiah is called a leper. And so sowing has to do with good deeds and all of the mitzvot because those are like seeds that go out and get planted. Yeah, Rabbi was saying, actually saying too that Mitzorah was actually 
it wasn't even the name of his Torah portion. It was actually called something else. Yeah. But then all the rabbis were like, no, was, they called. They wanted to change the Torah because they obviously knew that it was talking about Messiah. That's right. So, I mean, I find it very, very interesting that right after we get out of Parsha Shemini, we go right into, okay, redemption, redemption, redemption. <laughs> so, anyway, um, so I was looking in the Orhakaim, and I remember they said that there are different types of leprosy, four different types to be exact. Was on the front of your head, the back of your head, your body, and what else? I know those three. I didn't know those four. Yep. And it was a red streak on your head, on the front of your head, red streak on the back of your head, white flesh with the red streak, mm. and then it was the the white flesh on your body. Was it Baharet? Snow White. This was the brightest white. Sapachat. A milder type of Baharet, a little less white. The spots look like the white plaster of the walls of the Kodesh section of the Beit HaMikdash. Of the who section? Kodesh section of the Beit HaMikdash. What? Se'at, a darker white, the color of clear white wool. Okay. Sapachat of Se'at. The spots were the color of the inside of an eggshell. But the white spots were darker than the four shades. Just mentioned they were not Zara. Yeah, so that's 13, verse 6 is going into the appearances of it. But it was later that went over the uh, the four types. I would have thought I made a tab on that, but I did not. So to continue on with what we're what we've been talking about, I just want to point out that I think it's very important that we understand self introspection uh, with everything that we're looking at as far as the parallels Shabbat Hagadol, Yom Kippur, uh, the Cohen uh, looking at us and saying whether or not we have za'arat and really what response that causes within us is that a response of oh my goodness i'm so sorry falling on my knees kind of thing and let me take this time to really make shuva and be grateful or is this a time where we're just like don't talk about my sin i don't want to hear what you got to say i don't care about your pronouncement uh, i.e. crucify him crucify him because that really was the epitome of what happened with the people so may we not be like that this time we want Mashiach to come the other way on the clouds of glory because we are worthy of the redemption because we pray that Hashem makes it so Hit it. It was 17. Can't remember, but he comes on the clouds of glory, and he has his sickle, and he he harvests he harvests the earth. I'm not sure exactly what he's doing, but I think he's gathering people. And so he is coming back on the clouds of glory the second time. 
I mean, that doesn't. I mean, it doesn't mean the whole earth is righteous and he comes back. <laughs> and he's coming back and he's harvesting. But the earth isn't righteous when he comes back. The earth is a mess when he comes back, apparently. I mean, you might disagree with me. Maybe the sages are disagreeing with me. But the book of Revelation says the earth is a mess. So there's lots of wickedness, lots of sorcery, lots of, you know, idolatry. I mean, sorcery and idolatry are going to be huge before when he comes back. Well, if I can just support tag you real quick so you can keep going. Mm -hmm. uh, that... It was either Ramban or Rashi that brought up that in order for something to be called pure, it doesn't have to be completely pure. Uh -huh. So when you look at us being worthy of the final redemption, it's not because the whole world is like, oh, Baruchatah, Adonai. Like, no. A good majority of the earth could be all like, we don't like Adonai. Mm -hmm. But... If there is a remnant of people, there, that still gives us an opportunity to Keep be pronounced. Sure. Hold fast to the testimony of Yeshua. Yes. There will be those. So, correct. So, and just want to point that out. In the midst of all that mess, mm -hmm. there will be those. Yeah, I think it was Rabbi that was talking about when the sages say all, they generally mean 51%. <laughs> like, it, it. Yeah. For a thing, or a thing, like a matter of kashrut for the whole thing to be kosher. Oh yeah, that's right. Fifty-one percent of it. Say that again, now. What? So if you take a bag of rice and half and it, some bacon falls into it. Forty-nine percent of the bag of rice uh -huh. was contaminated. Mm. As long as they're mixed, it's all kosher. Um, no, I mean you can't really do that with like you can't like. Well, you have to pull the bacon ground, out. Yeah. And then, yeah, then any rice is stuck to the bacon you throw. Hence that out. the sickle. Mm -hmm. You just said Mashiach had a sickle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when you take the bacon out, you know you maybe scoop a little bit out and throw that out with it. But as long as fifty-one percent of it was not contaminated, because if the bacon, I mean, it was all greasy and like sunk, uh, soaked to the bottom, chances are fifty-one percent of that is trade. Mm -hmm. But if it's just a little bit, it's it's technically kosher. So. Huh. Um, and you see it in a couple more places, but the, the kashrut is where it's kind of like the most applicable. And it's, it varies if it's like dry foods or if it's like liquid foods mm -hmm. or something that could uh, contaminate. Like if you have a salad, because you have like live greens and things like that. And if you have an, uh, an ability to make a distinction, what is what, and, and you're able to pull it out without it like, uh, quote unquote, bleeding on other things. Then that all, that changes the ratio, because in that case, since it's not dry, you have to bump it down even more. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as the dilution, I guess. Yeah, because you don't want to be like, oh, well, I bought a salad today and it came already with dressing on it, you know, and bacon was in there, but it was less than half, so I'm no. good. It's just like no, yeah. the dressing has carried all that bacon juice everywhere, <laughs> mm -hmm. so forget about it. Anyway, um, did you finish what you were saying? Yeah, I think so. You did? Okay. The rabbit trail is just collaborating around. Well, that's okay. They can hop away. Rabbit's not kosher. Rabbit's not <laughs> Which today's... People aren't kosher either. <laughs> that's true, too. Most people, man. Don't eat people. Yeah. Have a good time.
I apologize. I thought I tabbed it in here, but Orha Khaim did a good job going over the four types of Zarat. If anybody else finds it, please throw it down. Last week's parasha in the commentary, actually. Yes. Because it's like you couldn't read the the actual text. You had to get into the commentary in order to find it. And I remember I was just going and I was just highlighting and tabbing. Apparently I didn't do that. Are you wanting to find like the traits? Uh, the, just the four types. There should say something where there's four types of za'arat. Because there's the appearances, but then there's the different types. Specific forms. Because he's doing right now that there's types of lashan hara. Well, baldness at the front and back of the head. In case someone loses all the hair of the back half of his head, karakas, front half of his head, Robachas, or of his beard, the newly bald skin is treated like skin anywhere else in his body, with one exception. The presence or absence of a white hair is an immaterial. As noted, anyway. Yep, there you go. He, he is bald at the back of the neck. He is pure. The loss of hair is not a nesic, and he is not contaminated by virtue of short hair and spreading. The bald skin can have zarats only if it does one of the four shades of white. So are we talking about the four shades of white? We did that already. Because this is, yeah, I mean, it's the front and back of your head. It's your body. Well, no, that's, I think that's talking about what qualifies as skin versus hair. Because if you're bald, then the top of your head is covered under skin instead of under hair. Because the hair has a different halacha and determination than your skin does. Yeah. I always thought it was, when I read this, I thought about Gorbachev. Because he had those Who? red. Mikhail Gorbachev? Okay. The Russian the head of Russia. <laughs> he had, no, he had red marks on his forehead. Birthmark. Wow. Yeah, it was a birthmark. Yeah, maybe. But he might have had. It's similar to leprosy, apparently. He was born with the He was born with the Man. He inherited it. Good night. <laughs> Inherit it because know. it appears on your hair. Okay. Okay, four types of negaim. What is that all about? Okay, so 13.2. It says that the sages of Rambam Hilkot Tumat Za'arat 1-2 It says that the Bakaris is bright like snow Second to it's the level of whiteness Is the Zais Which is clean wool These are followed by the Sapachas and Bakaris And Zapachas of Zais All that to say Thus it was seen that the Torah Should have first mentioned the Baharis, which is the highest level of witness. And only afterward it should have mentioned the lower levels of whiteness, which are the Zeis and Sapachas. The Torah had said Baharis or Zapachas or Zeis 
we would not have known the Torah is speaking about four types of Nagain. The two, pri- two primary ones are Seis and Bacheris and their respective subcategories. The Bacheris is the bright, brightest in its whiteness and had the verse first mentioned Bacheris then says Zapachis, we would not have derived from the verse that there is Zapachis of Seis. Okay, so they're breaking everything down really, really technically. So, Bacheris and Sapakis, and then that's only two of four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, there's two subcategories which are a little darker than their. Right. Yeah, that's what it says here. It says Bacheret and Sapakat of Bacheret, which is the lesser form of, form of Bacheret. And then there's. Seis, and then Sapach, Sapachat of Seis, which is a lesser form of Seis. So, in order to have four, you have two greater and two lesser. So that's how we get to four. And there's a brighter color and a duller color. So it's really only two things, but those two things are subset. Yeah. And that's how we get the four different types. And that depends on where it breaks out as well. And due to what type of Lashon Hara that you've done. Which is where you could get into the four different types of Lashon Hara. So, if that wasn't confusing... Try to go back to that because I saw that earlier. I've seen it described as five. Who? I've seen it. It's, it was like falsehood. Um, it, was, it was basically like falsehood, untrue uh, slander, true slander. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a couple others. It was like. Gossip, right? Go- yeah, gossip. Yeah. And I think there's one more. Which I find it very yeah, then interesting. I think true and untrue gossip, something like that. It's interesting that, you know, Lashawn Hara can be true speech. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you were speaking truth, so therefore you have Zara right now. Yeah, it's, it's really a thread that kind of goes to just to tag on that because it here it says it says do you remember who spoke Lashon Hara about the Jewish people and was punished with Zarat? Yes, it was Moshe Rabbeinu. Mm-hmm. When Hashem wanted to take him, yikes! Moshe protested and said they will not believe that Hashem sent me. Then his hand turned white with Zarat for speaking evil about the Jews. Yeah. So just saying that, he's like, it's good. No one here has ever really mentioned the smell of Zarat. Right. Which is interesting because our Mashiach judges by smell. Mm-hmm. So there's almost a picture of it. It's, it's kind of, um, and this may be wrong, but. Uh oh. Kind of. 
almost like a shem saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to discipline you for this, but I'm not going to tell your mom. Kind of deal where it's kind of... What? It, it's not... It's, it's, it's a very... It's supposed to be a very temporary warning. It's not supposed to be an actual carrying out of, this, of punishment. What? Zara? Yeah. Oh. It's supposed to be, you know, at max, you're going to be you having to deal with it maybe like, you know, 10 days. Um, it's not supposed to be meant as, you know, I don't, a little harsh, but like eternal damnation. It's, it's something that happens, and if you recognize it and uh, treat it, then it's, it's seven days. Well, that's the thing. you got to recognize it, though. If you don't, yeah. it gets worse. And if you don't, it gets even worse. And, mm-hmm. and then you're declared clean just because you're totally corrupt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yikes. Man, you don't want that. Yeah, that's what's saying that that the period if yes. if the call would examine him and then he, he wasn't really sure, he'd be like, Okay, I'll examine you again in another week. Then he comes again, he's like, Okay, I'll examine you again in another week. But each time he's telling him Hashem is giving you another chance to do Teshuva. Mm-hmm. And then the, after the third week, if he's still like none of the like Basically, he's mm-hmm. showing signs of it not being him declared on the Torah. Then he would say, maybe it was like a, over this over a span of three weeks that the the Cohen's going to him and like checking, him. Mm-hmm. you know. So before Rosh Hodesh, right? Because yeah. Rosh Hodesh is considered a time of renewal, like a, a an atonement for us, you know. So we get to restart like, every uh, month. Before Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. Actually, I said the last day before Russell Dash is like a young people. Ooh. Okay, so I think I found it. Uh, or Hakaim back in 13.2. They're saying the names of the Nagaim, the afflictions, allude to specific forms of Lashon Hara. According to the sages, Erekin 15b. Za'arat comes because of the sin of Lashon Hara. We can say that with the names of two primary appearances, the Seis and the Bakherit, the Torah hints at a lesson. Rambam, chapter 7, Hilkot Deot. The sin of Lashon Hara refers to one who speaks of the shortcomings of his fellow, even though he speaks the truth. So that's one. One who speaks falsely and belittles his fellow is referred to one who disfames his or defames his fellow. That's Motsi Shemra, which is Medzora, is the acronym for that one. Okay. What? Yeah. Wow. So okay. if you're if you're literally if you're considered a Medzora because you've been afflicted with leprosy, it's literally because you've been a person who has spoken falsely. And belittled your fellow and defamed them. So, Motsi, because uh, we say Hamotsi Lechem, who brings forth. So, Motsi bring, is bring, bring bringing forth. forth the bringing the forth the name of evil. And so you bring. forth an evil name. Yeah. Because you're, you're basically ruining somebody's reputation. So, that's pretty intense. 
Uh, and it says, one who speaks disparaging words about his fellow, even though he speaks the truth, is referred to one who is the Shonara. Okay, so we're, if you're pointing out shortcomings, even though they're true, that's one. If you speak falsely, belittling and defaming, that's two. Three is if you speak disparaging words about your fellow, even though it's true. Yikes. I feel like a whole wall of spikes is just coming down right now. Uh, it says, and this is referred to as Shonara, and one who speaks words, this is the fourth one, who speaks false words of disparagement is called a, uh, a Motsi Shemra. And these correspond to two types of sinners, which have the seis or the bacheret. And the seis corresponds to motzi shemra. And that which the Torah uses the word seis alludes to the sinner along the lines of Shemot 23.1. Do not bear, which is sisa, a false report. So seis is having to do with everything false. Whether it's true, or whether it's uh, disparaging, made-up things that are horrible to talk about people, or just a straight-up lie, or just straight-up lie. So that's the other two uh, types of za'arat that you can get: the big one and the little one of the the subset. So seis is actually worse. Yeah. So seis is over there with its two types: a greater and a lesser seis. Then you have the greater or lesser person who. Right. Who does it on a true side, but yeah, belittling or defaming. Yes. Okay. Wow. I'm glad we went through all that. Because it really boils down to two things. Is it is it true? And what are you doing with it? And is it false? And what are you doing with it? Well, and there, there's one interest. Uh, I was talking to a guy about perception and that stuff. Was section, yeah. And how the way... Um, you probably type that because Eric came 15. The way that the world I kind it up of. On the, oh, did you guys Safari? Yeah, but it was all in Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of upset. You got to yeah. speak in the Hebrew. Google Translate does an okay job. Okay. Uh, Go for it. The way perception works and how ultimately until. Like, I mean, think everything kind of exists, but it really has no meaning until someone looks at it and says, that says something that has meaning. So ultimately, like, there's a definitive truth, maybe, but ultimately the only truth is what is Torah. said. Well, yeah, well, and well, relative to human is what is said, which I suppose is God saying something. Um, but, you know, when you look at it, you know, Lashaharada that is true and Lashaharada that is false, you can't really tell the difference in the moment. It's kind of all either true or false. And that's kind of a determination you need to make. Um, and so that's interesting kind of that that's going to happen, right, as, a, as an occurrence. Mm -hmm. But it's not until you get to the Cohen that it's all, like, filtered out and, like, okay, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. I mean, that's a time jump. Well, I write the, it says even if you're a scholar who knows exactly what he's looking at, 
that you should not declare your house a lot. Because it's, it's kind of... Yeah, you're not even allowed to look at your own kin. It's supposed to be True. Kinda, That's right. And that's why Aharon couldn't tell Miriam she had leprosy. Yeah. It's just kind of... The Torah had to. a picture of how important not saying something is until you have reason to. Yeah. Because even a one form wow. of Shahara, right, is you're presented with all kinds of terrible evidence. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason it should be false. Uh, and even doesn't need to be about another person. It's, hey, uh, we found something on that x-ray. And it's like, oh, oh, I'm dying. All right, let me call my mom and tell her it's like it's over. Which is like, that's, that's probably one of the most egregious of Shahara is when you don't actually have a malicious intent and it's just frivolous. Mm. Is that... It's like, don't, it doesn't need to be true. Even if it is true, even if it's true, it doesn't need to be true until Hashem executes it as truth. That's right. And so even whether it's someone telling you that that guy stole something and you can't really prove it, or, you know, someone telling you you have cancer, you can't really, and there's not definitive, I feel bad proof, or really ever. It's like the, to keep an open mind for Hashem's sake. Sounds like Mostly for your sake. Going back to the woman, she actually died. It's not what goes into your mouth, but what comes out of your mouth. Right. Yeah. So. It's it's good too to make sure we balance it out by saying you know we can't just go to the doctor and be like well I was feeling sick today so I just decided to come in and you know you diagnose me that I have this illness or condition so I tell you that's Lashon Hara so I thank you for your time and your center so I'm gonna take my money back now and I'm going to leave can't we can't go about like that but at the same time. We do get the evidence, and that gives us an indicator mm-hmm. of, okay, like, obviously you bring this to your Beit Deen, you know, to uh, intercede for prayer and things like that. And as things progress or, or however it needs to fall out, um, you can bring in your Mishraka, like we've done, you know, for different families here. And so, um, so there's definitely a balance to where... We don't want to give everything such clout that we don't take into consideration the surrounding evidence, the surrounding possibility, so to speak. Because just because someone gets sick with a a life-threatening condition, that doesn't necessarily mean that their life is going to end. You know, we've seen plenty of cases like that, whether people are Jewish or not. And uh, Hashem is the ultimate say-so on everything. So... It's kind of one of those things where just looking at a person afflicted with Zarat, it all hinges upon the pronouncement of the Kohen. And so everything can be what it is, but ultimately it's not until it's brought to the Kohen that you can really figure out what's the game plan, which is, which is pretty much what the crux of what you've been explaining is that until we really bring this before Hashem, until we truly seek him out and all of that, like, hey, what should I do? You know, because obviously Hashem is super smart and and things like that. So, so we have a solution is going to be him. Right. So when you, whether it is treating it with medicine, whether it is treating it with modern technology, whether it is treating it with nature or different herbal things you can do, ultimately, if you bring it before Hashem, he's going to give you the best guidance on what to do. So I, I just think that's such a, a, a valid thing for us to really take in from this Torah portion as far as 
Hashem is really showing us not only the second greatest commandment, which is like the first, which is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor so much so that you're not even going to take truth and hurt them. And you're also not going to take falsehood and hurt them. And furthermore, don't even do that with yourself. But make sure anything that you do proceeds from the fact that you're attaching yourself to Torah, attaching yourself to re uh, to Shuva, repentance, uh, being thankful and things like that. So it's just one of those things where we balance. A good vaccine for that is Philippines 4.8. Because mm. if you're thinking on positive, speaking only on positive, you shouldn't have room for the Shabbat. Amen. Amen. And it's really hard to speak Lashon Hara if you're really like engrossing yourself in Torah or prayer, you know, or if you're really like so focused on I want to do something good for this person, like something physically good for this person. Yeah. I, I go back to Purim when it was like, OK, so I want to pick some people to like give gift baskets to and I want to pick some people to like give Zadaka to, you know. And it's like, that's the epitome of good deeds when you're in that moment of like, what can I do to like uh, enrich someone's life, you know, or show them I love them. And if you go from that, whether it's Torah, whether it's prayer, whether it's acts of kindness, if you really engross yourself into those things, whether simultaneously or one at a time, you really do push out room for Lashon Haram. Because ultimately, up until a point, the Shonara is more of a mindset. Wow. No one consciously is like takes it upon themselves to speak with Shonara. It's, it's, a, it's a set of reactions. Same way when you run, you breathe harder. It's like there's a lot of, and training yourself um, to, to not do it. Well, you're going to do something. Training yourself to do the right thing. I mean. And say instead of you know oh this sucks it broke a shem this is what it is. Um, it, yeah, you'll be amazed at just that little bit. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's almost on one hand it's harder, but on the other hand it gives you something to do. Um, and it's it's really important because even when you look at Moshe, like what was going through his mind when he told Hashem that, and it, actually that was almost the same thing the angels told him, right? Why are you doing this when you know they're going to sin? They can't do that. Yeah, Moshe like, was acting I'm like that. I'm tired of having to tell you. I don't really. That's wow. not what's important. What's important is that I'm Shem, and they're my people. <sighs> it's, it's definitely get the mindset straight. That is crazy. Okay, so I want to point everybody to Bereshit chapter three, verse one. Because when you look at Lashon Hara, you said it was a mindset, and that just absolutely was insane so you need to get some help but um what was the first word that the nakash spoke does anybody know what that word is in hebrew like or you see the hebrew word and translate it out into english it's probably unfair because i'm not handing you a tanakh or anything three one three one yes but I'll just give you, I'll give you the letters. Aleph, Pei. Aleph, Pei, Af. Oh, yeah. Af like, with your head. No, he didn't say that, but no. he said Af, but Af is. Anger yes. 
So we had a gentleman at this show when I first got here who really inspired me to do so many great things. And uh, Hashem, I'm thankful to Hashem for that guy because he really made me very, very inspired and motivated to like, oh, you don't think I can do Torah? I'm going to do Torah. Like he was that kind of person, like a football locker room, like, oh, it's game time, yeah, you know, kind of thing. So anyway... He dropped this on me. <laughs> he dropped this on me, and he was just like, you know what the first word the serpent spoke to the woman? And I go, what did he say? He's like, anger. He said, anger. That's the first words out of his mouth. Genesis 3-1? 3-1, yes. Now the serpent was cunning. Mm-hmm. Go to the he did said God, to the woman. Go to the Hebrew. Right after yeah. the word Vayomer El Ish Haisha. Ah. Now. So why isn't it translated as anger then? Uh, you know, English is such a language that we don't really use it appropriately all the time. But uh, that's an understatement. But anyway, um. <clears throat> because. It's one of these beautiful things that we get the opportunity to dive into the commentaries and to really like look at that. You see Wait, the footnote? Right here. Aleph and Pei. Yeah. That means anger. That yeah. means anger. Af. That is literally an angel of Hashem. Yeah. Af. Af is one of the angels of. Uh, so angels of destruction. Yeah, you don't want that. That doesn't make sense. It's you just, don't. Did God say? Perhaps well, I thought, okay, God I think grammatically. Yeah, right. That does not. Because that's English. The difference between L and huh? L. I th that's the English. <laughs> I think grammatically. English was just like, hey, I know he said anger to the woman, but, uh, you know, did okay. Hashem really say? Grammatically. <laughs> it, uh, it, and it's, it's like, did ad, he it's really say? It's an adverb, which could mean even or two. What? But it could Who's also an adverb? mean uh, off. Off? Uh, he, so this translate correctly. Google translation. You're Google translating? Um, it can be no, really? snout, and then at the very Rabbi bottom, it can be anger or wrath. So yeah. the first use of it... Somebody get this kid a concordance. There's like three words you would probably use in front yeah. of this a word target. for anger. Don't read it as even. Read it as. But it can definitely be <laughs> anger. <laughs> Nose... And what else? Even or two. Okay. Wrath or anger. So, if you go with that gamut of translations, obviously the English was like, I don't know, did he say? Yeah. You know, well, I freaking out kind of thing. Shot reading the Hebrew. Well, Nick, I'm sorry, go on. But, the, what is it, the, 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 Ramir, the Ramez or something, the, the illusion of the text? Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely means anger there. Definitely. But, yeah. the Bashat reading of it. You got some? Proclaim it. Come on. I mean, if, I mean I'm, I'm not stuck in the translator's shoes, but if you're translating, you're going to try to put something down that makes sense to people. Because if you put the word anger in there, it don't make sense. Yeah, because I can't. I can't. You know I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I got you. Might not want to know that so you can get some so level understanding, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the poor translator, you gotta have mercy on him. I mean, you know. We have mercy on you, translator. I'm not, I'm not exactly someone's like he was asking, like, like, aren't you angry that you can't keep on the stream? Well, Correct for three hundred. I'm reading it and I'm struggling. I love that. That's together. legit. That makes sense. Yeah. Because was it? Uh, angry with you. Yeah. And he said oh, yeah. to the woman, 
off because it's a, it's really a phrase off key amar. It's not, and he said to the woman, anger. Um, as it is, as the rest of the verse is translated, um, it, it's even because he said, uh, even because God said, "Don't eat of the tree, eat from the tree." Uh, or anger because God said, "Eat, don't eat from the tree." But it, you'd have to kind of rearrange it and. It's almost like a question, like. Yeah, you'd have to completely rearrange the entire verse. Yeah. But Come on, it's like 70 different ways we can say this. Note, Let's do it. Rearrange the entire verse. Come on. And then it turns into, um, it, it, um, it takes on a completely different meaning, which is very interesting. Was God angry when he said not to eat from the tree? <laughs> <laughs> That's another one. Because remember, we're not supposed to make decisions out of anger. You it's read the it acronym HOMF. And, and said to the woman, um, and said and said to the woman with anger because God said don't eat of the tree. Mm. Right. Oh, Ki- Kiamar can mean He was like, You need to eat from the tree like, so I could be good, man. Key can mean like Come on. even perhaps hook me up. Or it can mean I mean hook you up. That off that off key or it can mean even or angrily because Amen. Mm. Uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Anybody else? Come on. We only got four. Well, I do have a tag here. You do? Come on. Yeah, it's... Don't throw anything at me. Okay. Um, it's, um... Not Hawaiian. Not to... There's a lot of Hebrew in here, so please forgive me if I don't really follow it. It said, And the serpent had been sly, etc. The reason that the word Vashatan, uh, in the last verse, and the word... Can you, sp- can you spell it? Yeah, Vav, Hey, Noon, Chet, and Yeah, Vay, And this verse appears side by side is that Satan had been created together with woman. Woman may be perceived Ugh. as the body, the personification of the evil urge. The evil urge is an abstract concept. In order for it to become effective, it needs a body woman or better uh, the first woman became that body what woman proved easy to mislead to sin the, the numerical value of the letters and the word um vahankash uh, uh, well just without the without the bob mm. oh hanakash is 364 after allowing one for the whole word 365 and the word hasatan Oh, Hanukkah is the same gematria as as the Satan. Wow. So this is the spirit that needs an embody or that needs a body. So if we're dead to sin, I mean. Then yes, correct. Well, what's that whole thing about like when you the first thing at the beginning? Hanukkah is the uh, serpent. Become whatever you worship. That's what you're supposed to worship. Only God. What y'all dropping over no, here? No, I was saying it's like that whole thing about like when you worship an idol, you actually your body becomes an idol. Oh, so that's why. Okay, that commentary. What was that again? Oh, um, Rabbeinu Bakia. That was Rabbeinu Bakia on that. Oh, oh my man. word! Also, that verse, he'll sit there with like nine paragraphs on one verse. Yeah, dude. So okay, so break down what we just did. We just looked at the fact that. Hava was used as a pawn to manifest 
the Satan. Because he didn't have a body. Because he didn't have a body. He had to use her body. And he used the mouth of the serpent to bring Hava's body into alignment with his will. So what I'm looking at is the complete inverse of Torah through the mouth of Hashem into our bodies to manifest Mashiach. Which is like Mashiach is the same Gematria. That's how it's supposed to roll. Yes. So. That's how it's supposed to roll. May it be so. Well, yeah, anything right? Uh, uh, wow. If That's you, legit. If you look at, <laughs> Good job, team. The stat, you look at, you see the Hasatan and Mashiach, which, right, Nachash and Mashiach. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, Bilam and Moshe. Yes. And really, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like the only thing you can expect is that for everything bad Hashem does the, only, the thing that you can always believe in is that for every bad thing that happens Hashem has something better coming oh you mean like leprosy breaks out on your house and you have to break the walls out and it's like oh look gold yeah <laughs> man that, that one ring the guy that lived here you know a hundred years ago dropped that's worth Ten million dollars now. Hey, look, yeah. what's that? It's like I have to remodel my front room now, but I can pay for it. <laughs> and anybody want to go to meet point after this? You do? Yeah. Come on, testify. Yeah. Can I get a witness? It's a really old house, two story. He went down in the basement, knocked down the ceiling in, found two two metal boxes, full of money. Wow. So he. Pay for his house. Get you some. I couldn't prove who owned it or anything, so. Yeah. Somebody probably died, but they didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Nobody else was there. <clears throat> All right, can I? Can we have a story time now? No. Please. <laughs> okay. Cause, cause I, I just thought this was so amazing. Just thinking about Shabbat Hagadol and everything we're talking about with the introspection. Um. So, yes. Okay, so I'm going to go to Shonuf Pincus, who is called Shavile Pincus. He writes a post every week on the Parsha or the special Shabbat or the special Yom Tov. And he wanted to bring down the Shulchan Aruch, uh, Orach Hakaim, not to be confused with Or Hakaim, uh, 430. And it says the Shabbat prior to Pesach is called Shabbat Hagadol. Because of the miracle that occurred on it. Now, it says the miracle that occurred on this day, you can find in the Tor Orach Chaim, Hilkot Pesach 430. The Tor attributes the appellation Shabbat Hagadol to the great miracle that occurred on the Shabbat prior to uh, the Exodus from Egypt, because that happened on Pesach. The Exodus took place on a Thursday. And I know Hot Button probably got hit because there's been this conspiracy or, or saying out there that Mashiach was probably crucified on a Thursday, which is why Yom Rishon would have been the day he resurrected. So I, I will give space to that. But anyway, so. I never heard of such a thing. Really? Yeah, I've heard that because they're like, how are you going to get three days out of the day he went down and it was a Friday and then he rose on a Sunday and it was just like, oh, da, da. I thought that was figured out with the doesn't let anybody suffer for the three full days. Correct. That, that is one of seven. During the day or the night would also determine. 
Yeah, because yes. Friday. Come on, that's ten different <laughs> yeses right there. Coupled with the fact that, that here's in, eleven. In uh, in Jewish thought, a day is like night or day. Well, if you're mm. born at eleven fifty-nine on a yeah. Thursday, Come what on. day are you born on? You can have five minutes of daylight. Doesn't matter. You're born on that day. The whole of night is still counted as one day. Get you some. That's what right. <laughs> I don't know. We're we're dazed and confused. Oh, you okay? Let's break it down. Okay, so first of all, tell him about tell him about the Thursday Mashiach That's where he's. That's where he's. Oh, so the reason I brought up Thursday because some people have said you got to count Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So if he gets crucified on a Thursday, you can't. Rise on Sunday. Is that true? Right, Yom Rishon is what we call. He, he broke right. Correct. He rose on Yom Rishon. Yes, because of all these other uh, fifty things that we just dropped. <laughs> but I mean, I always thought that the the thinking though is is based off the fact that the people who come up with this Yeshua was crucified on a Thursday failed to forget that when Yeshua was crucified, there was not a thing called Thursday. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. Well, but but no, they 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 had to put his body. <clears throat> in the tomb and, and leave it there and they couldn't do nothing to it because it was Shabbat. prep day. It was prep day. I mean, Shabbat was, the sun was going down and they had to just right. take his body down and Shabbat. put it in the it was, tomb. Yes, it, it was, was Arab. So Correct. Okay. They had to wait till after Arab to go back. Right. So they went. So that would have been two days later, quote unquote, according to when you look at uh, Arab, Arab Pesach. By now he's thinking, Lord. Never mind. Well, um, <laughs> uh, Sorry. There, there's the first day of Passover, and then the first day immediately after that, the Holy Day. Right. And then so they would have waited until the day after that. Oh, because it was a, a double Shabbat right. kind of thing, yeah. Was okay. it a double Shabbat? Yes. But isn't he the Passover lamb? Wasn't he crucified on Pesach? He was, right? Well, on the 14th of Nisan, before sunset, he was crucified. Yeah. So remember on sunset of the 14th of Nisan going into the 15th, that's, that's when you have day. your Seder. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you have your Seder, that begins a Yom Tov on which you do no laborious work. Oh, right. And then right after that, the next night would have been another Yom Tov. Because right. double Shabbat. Double Shabbat. Well, so okay, then after Shabbat, that, it would have been uh, Shabbat and then Yom Tov. Yes, so but they're both. You don't work on either one. You don't. Yeah, you don't work on either one. Don't go touching right. dead bodies. We got. We're talking. We're talking the first day of Pesach and then a Shabbat. That's so, what we're looking but is at. There, is there? Because right, they put him in the tomb, and we're not going to do anything until after Shabbat. So how is Yom Rishon a? That's the Shabbat first day. day that you're not on a on a Shabbat, like a you can't work day. Friday night goes into Shabbat. Mm-hmm. So how's your mother Shabbat after Shabbat if it's not Yom Rishon? Because we're talking the day before Friday the prep day. Yeah. The day before prep day. Yeah. Prep day. Okay. Look at look at our calendar. Hang on. Step, please. Look at our Pesach calendar right now on the seventh day of Pesach. It okay. starts on a Thursday night, mm-hmm. and then Friday night starts a Arab Shabbat. Which means we can't do anything laborious until Saturday night, Sunday morning. So they hung him on a Shabbat. On right. A on a on a Erev Pesach, on a Yom Tov, not a Shabbat, but a Yom Tov. Okay. But they took his body down. They took it Sunday. down before that, yes, so that they can go to the Seder. So they took his body down, put it in the tomb, but didn't do nothing to it. 
and then they and hit. waited till the third day. And then Friday night okay. hit or set, uh, Shabbat hit. Yeah. Shabbat, and mm-hmm. then they wait. Then then they go through Shabbat. And they, yeah. Then they they have the Yom Tov. Yep. And then they wait for sun up. Boom. They can't do nothing. Right. You could do something at night like Yeshua probably was resurrected literally at Havdalah, which many of us uh, hold that thought because the concept of that comes the from Havdalah, the Yom Tov Havdalah. Yes. Havdalah. The one that would have been the next morning where the which women were, were going to. Yes. So, it, which goes again to Hashem doesn't allow the righteous to suffer for no more than uh, three days. Yeah. For yeah. So basically, you will, you will, yeah, you won't reach three days of suffering, basically. Hmm. But anyway, um, so now when you look at that, the precedent is Adam and Hava left Gani Dan at Ahavdallah. <coughs> Mashiach is coming in at Ahavdallah with his resurrection. So he's doing the reverse of what happened. Because remember, his tomb was in a garden. So when he comes out, he's coming into the garden. So it's like this whole beautiful thing. But anyway. That's good. So. <clears throat> All right. So now, back on track. We can just stop now. <laughs> <laughs> Baruch Adon. No, okay. Anyway, fake ending. All right, so anyway, so now you got this whole uh, Yom Rishon thing going on, and that's when he was resurrected. I forgot what we were trying to talk about that for. Uh, you were trying to explain to him the whole three-day prayer process. I didn't get oh, yes. So now, so now when we go back, I'm going to give you another layer. So that that's all one thing. Contain it. Put a box on it. Push it over there. New table. Ready? In order for something to count as one halakhic day in Judaism, it has to transpire before the onset of the new day. So whether it's the night previous. So when we started this class tonight, or well, now it was daylight, but now it's dark. So we've started. So we've started a new day. So since we started this class, this class technically counted as yesterday. We've been here for two days. We've been here for two days now. Yeah. Get you some. Tour to Vasora for two days? Yeah. Okay, anyway. So we've been here on two days. We've been here during two days. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it would still count as two days. But it's two days. During That's, two days. Okay. Mr. Technical. Shh. Now 48 hours. Back to your corner. Two days. Back to your corner. Okay. <laughs> so now, uh, I need the gematria of, no, I'm kidding. Okay. So anyway, that's one thing. So that's, close it. Let's go to a bigger picture. They count how many years a king reigns in Israel. They start that on the first of Nisan. So if a person has been brought to the throne before the first of Nisan, when the Rosh Hodesh of Nisan happens, it's considered to be two years of reigning as king. Yeah, so say he was put in the So now he's his second year of being a king, even though he just got put on the throne in because a dark. It was before the first of Nisan, yeah. and first Nisan is the, As the beginning of a new year. year. And the same thing with the trees for two Same Shabbat. thing with the trees. But I thought, so, but that's the spiritual new year quote, right? Yes. So the, the, the natural new year, it would seem like because you're a king. <laughs> you go from the natural. So what is Hashem trying to tell us about the king? It's a spiritual thing. Yeah. We have a spiritual king. And we yes, come on, come on. We only have a king because we left Egypt. Well, no, we only have a king because we. What you got? We didn't leave Egypt enough. We we. Because uh, right, Hashem, wow. What's he say? He says. Um, wow. I brought you out to be a people to me. Good night. I brought you out to 
so I can be your king, my special people. And, and when you do, you go and you ask for a human king. It's Woo! Like, Alright, whatever. We're gonna but it's gonna be Nissan one as well. Back to T Shray for you. <laughs> okay. If you're gonna pick a king, I'm gonna tell you how to pick a king. Right. Okay, so you have something? I wanna get to my story. So. No, go ahead. You got you sure? I was just I was just gonna talk just the, the whole thing about like them wanting wanting a king was was prophetic anyways. They should have already knew they were going to ask for a king. You would be saying this because your tour portion is Shof Team. Yeah. Or Shof King. <laughs> okay, so back to the story. So we're in the tour, and he's talking about the leaving Egypt. So on this Shabbat Haggadol, the Jew took for his house a lamb as a Pesach offering to tie to the foot of his bed. So here's the deal. When you retire and when you arise, the, fir the first and the last thing you see is this lamb that is going to be your Pesach. What's going to bring you into redemption. So tie that to the Shema, pun intended. But anyway, it says, when the Egyptians would ask, when the Egyptians would ask curiously, about this strange ritual. It's very strange. It is. They would it makes stinks and it makes noise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, poops, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Feed it manna and it will not poop. Okay, but anyway. So the, the Egyptians ask about this. So here's the response. When you get asked a question about why you do this strange thing, this is what the Jews said. They We plan to sacrifice these animals to to our God. The Egyptians who worshipped the lamb were powerless to react and were forced to watch silently. Why were they powerless? Spirit of Hashem much. Uh, yeah, they were both his legs. Because here's the deal. You got a bunch of people who literally outnumber you. First of all, Jews outnumbered the Egyptians. However, Shomer Jews to the ratio of Egyptians it's a very different picture. But at the same time, the God of the Egyptians is what we're going to kill. The God of the world is what we're going to kill. Hence why Hashem manifests in the God of this world, which is been, human mankind. There. I'm sorry. No, there is something there. That's well, what I'm because, saying. Because it's, it's a lamb. Okay? Yeah. The lamb that takes away the sins of the world. You know, it's a lamb. And the people so, worship the it. The Egyptians worship it. But then the Jews kill it. And it's like, well, that's the picture. You're killing my salvation. That's the picture. You're welcome. Yeah. But anyway. So, but yes, thank you. That's that's great. Bring that out. So here's what I, I love about this is how the children of Israel should not have made it to the night of Pesach with that declaration. Mm -hmm. Because it's just like, you mean to tell me you're going to take my God and you're going to sacrifice it? In four days and not today, and you're gonna parade it around in front of my face. I'm an Egyptian, I could kill you. And the Jews are like, Well, you know, Hashem said do it, so yeah. So anyway, that I mean that that's insane. So what I want to go to now is that here's the rest of the story. They drop down uh, Shabbat 87B provides another reason why it's called Shabbat Hagadol. Citing the Midrash, which describes another miracle that occurred on the behalf of Yisrael on this date. 
According to the Midrash, when the people of Israel took their lambs for the Korban Pesach on that Shabbat, the firstborns of various nations gathered around Israel. They inquired as to the nature of this ritual. They replied that the animals were to be offered to Hashem, who would then kill the firstborns of the Egyptians. So now it got even worse. It's like, why are you taking this lamb? Because Hashem said, do it, we're going to sacrifice it. Oh, and by the way, when we sacrifice it, we should also tell you, if you're a firstborn of Egypt, you're probably going to, or you are going to die. I, I, that's it. And they're like, say what? So it's just kind of like, okay, anyway, uh, I digress. It says, they replied that the firstborns, who were called Bechorim, they then go to their fathers and to Pharaoh. Which is interesting. They go to their fathers and to Pharaoh. Kind of like we go to our fathers and to Hashem to learn Torah because Hashem said, teach it to your sons. Mm -hmm. You know, and Pesach night, you're specifically father is supposed to teach son kind of thing. So I thought that was interesting. But anyway, it says, so they go to their fathers and Pharaoh beseeching them to send Israel away. Just get them out of here. Please, if you won't listen to the voice of Hashem, because, you know, they heard Hashem said, send the people out. Listen to the firstborn. The firstborn is saying, send them away. So then it says this. The, this request was denied. So what did they do? This prompted the Bekarim to wage war against their elders. They killed many of them. Tehillim 136.10 To him who smote the Egyptians through their firstborns. This lamb caused an all-out war but with the firstborns taking out the fathers, the elders, and courtiers of Pharaoh. Because Hashem, or because the people would not let the children of Israel go. So I think it's interesting that the firstborns do a plague before the plague of the firstborns. The very people who are going to die end up working for Hashem on behalf of Israel, which is just insane. Yeah. Talk about a living sacrifice on the very opposite end of the spectrum. So anyway, that's my story I wanted to share. You got stuck in Egypt? I know, I know Hashem, just kidding. I know Hashem killed the firstborn. Yeah. I don't know why they're a living sacrifice. Why are they a living Oh, I'm saying they're a living sacrifice because before they die in the plague of the firstborn on Pesach, yeah. for like four days, they were killing people. And they were like doing it on behalf of Israel. The killing, firstborn were killing... The firstborn who were going to die. The yeah. firstborn Egyptians. From the, from the tent, when we said, when we had, that's what he was telling the whole story. When we got the lamb... Uh -huh. And we tied it to our, our bed friends, and we, they asked us, okay, what are y'all going to do with the lamb? And we're like, oh, we're going to sacrifice to our God, and then there's going to be this plague of the firstborn. And we're like, oh, we say, what? So yeah. they went to Pharaoh, and we're like, send these people away, they're crazy. I.e., they're acting as a shliach on behalf of Hashem, because they're now repeating the same message Hashem told the Pharaoh. Right. Okay, keep going. And then, and then, uh, then he said... Pharaoh denied them, and so they started killing all the elders. Plague. So Remember the plagues? From the 10th all the way to the to the 14th. That's they rebelled against the Egyptian elders. Yes, yeah. they wiped them out, and like 300 yeah, style. Because they didn't want to listen to Spartans them. Spartans against the... Yeah, I don't and then they died. Because had, had he 
um, conceded and allowed them to leave, the firstborns wouldn't have died, right? Correct. So they were fighting for their lives. They, literally. Oh. So it's kind of like this interesting paradox that it was just like we don't want to die. We're I gonna was, kill you. They knew they were gonna die. Why did you know? Why didn't they just like get on a camel and ride away? <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? They still wanna die. <laughs> they I mean, still wanna die. Probably. Oh my wins. god. They're not inside the door. Get as far away from Egypt as you can. You know? <laughs> no, it's okay. Think about Korok's sons <laughs> and how. Good night. Um, wow. It's kind of the same situation where it's like, you know what, I appreciate what you're doing, old man, but how about we don't? Yeah. You know, the same well, way I was like, yeah, Korok. Korok's sons. Oh, you know cousin what? Corey. This whole rebellion thing is cousin cool, Corey. but I'm not really sure I want to die for it, so. <laughs> I'm out on that. Yeah. Anytime I see rebellion, there's always a little bit of death involved. Yeah. So yeah. I don't want any part of that. The last time we did this. I was going to say, why did they believe him with firstborn plague when they oh. saw the others and they're just oh well our people can do that or you know they freaked mm. several of them but this one they believe uh, well i guess well the first one they believed was the, the, the fire dust, and all right? that right so yeah least, yeah huh yeah. the first one they believed was the lice mm. so yeah. well this would have been the oh because they couldn't duplicate it yeah. yeah, sorcery only works on something the size of an yep. olive or yep. larger Ooh. they could figure it out now is this the seventh plague of the one they obey, which kind of interesting. It's like they get the seven? To, they get to Shabbat, right? Cause it was they third, get to Shabbat the of the plagues, plague, right? yeah. So yeah, like they, get, they get to Shabbat, and they're like, well, actually, I guess God's Oh, the Shabbat fine. plague. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Ted, you're done. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. No, dude, it's, it's just blows your mind when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Because God Shabbat said, plague. The God, God Shabbat said, keep plague. my Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and then the book of Revelation, it's seven, seven, um, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. Mm. Yeah. It's it's Shabbat in reverse. Mm. It's so cool. I mean, if we had just obeyed God, if humanity had just said, "You are God, and we will worship you," mm-hmm. if they had just six done words, that, six words, you know, <laughs> six you know, words, sounds you know, like, and then, then, then. None of that would have happened, but instead, it's all you get. God's God saying you don't want to keep Shabbat, you're going to keep Shabbat. You ain't going to like it, but you're going to keep Shabbat. And it's seven trumpets, seven seals, seven bowls. Oh, he, 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 he could have said eight. He said seven. Okay, it's on purpose. He's saying something. He's saying you ignored my Shabbat. Mm. You ignored me. Mm. So. And my word. This is what you get. So you got three things. Mm-hmm. Seven levels of heaven. Yeah. Seven colors and a rainbow. Mm-hmm. Come on. And the one interesting thing to kind of mention, the fact Ridiculous. that how really quite simple, or actually how seemingly simple, but how, like, if you look at, anecdotally look at humanity, how difficult saying certain things are. Because it's like even... It never really talks about the the genuine, the the genuineness of what all these people were claiming. Never said, you know, Korok, uh, Korok's kids, like as they were dying, they fell on their face and made the shuba. Just, just all they said is they 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 made the shuba. Essentially, they thought to shuba because at this point they're like getting swallowed by the earth. There's not really any time to talk about it. <laughs> um, and all these instances where it's not this like giant. Frustration of Shuba. It's like two words. It's not saving Ishma, and it's like, all right, bam, that's all I needed. 
now we can work on going through the MIGFA and right over like you know, just saying you know saying seven words to say the Shema and or, or whatever infinitesimally small piece of training is required to register a Shem, how seemingly difficult that is for a lot of people, including ourselves, to just say, you know, this one thing and like bam we're there. But we just refuse to. It's kinda Yeah, I just I just read the other day in a little book I got, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it Shari. Teshuva? Yeah, and come on. There's a brief little oh, thing in there that talks about um, you live your entire life um, oblivious, let's just say oblivious to Hashem, and then on your deathbed, if you're Teshuva genuine, you got it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Literally. A minute, yeah. a minute from dying. Or apparently falling into a pit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and it kind of, it's like, oh, it's two words, but it really... All right, two minutes. Yeah, there's, even, there's even the halakha that if a person didn't say vidui before they died, like, there's, there's that whole thing in your shador, mm -hmm. they didn't get a chance to do it, and you say it for them. Ooh. What? Yeah. Look at your Sador. You can confess for somebody if they didn't get to? If they, yeah, on their deathbed. Oh my goodness. Well, if they didn't get to or they didn't want to. Get to. Only Hashem knows their heart. But remember, we judge. You know what I'm saying? But well, that's you get in a car wreck, you didn't get to. That's but we I'm want to try to judge yeah. favorably that yeah. had this person been conscious, we want to say, hey. Right. That's, the, that's, that's, the, that, kind of that's the other halakha that that's why you say uh, Kaddish for, for a 12-month period, but you skip the 11th month. So you don't say Kaddish the 11th month, and you say it on the 12th month to make the full year, right? But you don't say all 12 times to, to insinuate to that person that, Oh, we, we thought you were so evil, you needed all 12, 12 times. Oh! To elevate your soul out of Oh my gosh. So, wow. Okay. That was two minutes. Those two minutes went by real quick, wow. Man, time flies when you're having Can fun. Can I share like two little fun facts? So, the difference between um, touch and uh, affliction is the vav. Between um, Nagia, uh, or Nogay, and. Uh, no, no gay without a bob. Right, that's and that then, word we were talking about, nagaim. Yeah, the difference between affliction and the other thing is Bafi Hasatan is Vayamut and he died. Which, so, go back to the thing and remember the relevance, but those two things I looked up and. Yeah. Tilda On that note, what do we know? What do we know? Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu Torah temet, vekaye olam nata betokeinu. Baruch atah Adonai, notena Torah, amen. Baruch abab Hashem Adonai, may we be in the new Yerushalayim, speedily and soon in our days. Amen. amen.